Proverbs, you know, God endowed Solomon with wisdom. And he then gives us wisdom. And here we are in Proverbs 3, verses 1 to 6. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep your commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you to prosperity. Let love and faithfulness, and the old says mercy and truth, never leave you. Bind them round your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will Make your paths straight. Do not forget my teachings, but keep my commands in your heart. I just wondered if you know what the first command you were given. Does anybody know what the first command you were given? In the scriptures? No, before that? Oh, yeah, you could do it, yeah. Do not eat. Right, so in Genesis 2, we read this. um, And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good or evil, for for when you eat it, you will certainly die. So that, as far as I know, is the first command that we were given. And what did we do with it? If we read on further... Um, Now the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say that? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. And we all know what happened, don't we, from then on. That man decided that they were going to know better than God and eat from it. They didn't keep on that very one command and they didn't keep it. And that brought me to thinking about what commands have you got in your hearts? I want to tell you about one man and a woman who did just the opposite. This man, he forgot the teachings that he had learnt. He did the opposite. He just totally forgot. He's nothing special, just an ordinary man an everyday man that you might meet in the street. He was born about 70 years ago. He was born in a place called Woodmancote. Now, just to get your your geographical location right, not the Woodmancote down the road, the Woodmancote right the other end of Sussex. His parents were both Christians. As a youngster, on Sundays, they would take him along to the church where they would stay all day, even having their meals in the chapel building. He was baptised when he was young at the age of 10. But then, over the years, he slowly fell away from his Christian faith he had grown up in. As time passed on, although he still believed in God, he no longer 
put his, his faith into practice. He failed to carry out line two of our reading, keep my commands in your heart. When he left school, he served an apprenticeship in a small boatyard. At the time, the local fire brigade was short of firemen. He was asked to become a part-time fireman, which he did. He enjoyed it so much that he joined the London Fire Brigade. He underwent three months of training. He drilled on the equipment, on the appliances, practised carry down and hooks ladders, learnt about building construction and how they behaved in the event of fire and pondered over hydraulic calculations. On completing his training, he was posted to Wimbledon Fire Station. His very first fire was to a railway embankment alight. But Wimbledon was too quiet for him, so he transferred to central London to a fire station called Soho. I don't know if you've heard of that place in London. (laughs) Soho had about 5,000 calls a year, so it was very much out of the frying pan and into the fire. During his service, some of the incidents he attended were the IRA bombings, the Oxford Street Tube Fire, as well as numerous other incidents in and around Soho. One incident happened in 1980 in Denmark Place. It remains the biggest single mass mass murder in this country in which 37 people lost their lives to arson. On gaining promotion, he transferred to Battersea, followed by further promotions to Lambeth and then fire safety, before he went back to Soho as their commander. He was in charge of incidents on the IRA bus bomb at the Aldwych. In his final years, he was promoted to divisional officer, where he was responsible for driver training and breathing apparatus. His second to last job, he had the sad experience in which two firemen lost their lives. He retired from the fire service in 2004, having served 31 years. Now at the age of 70, he lives not far from here with his wife, two dogs and a cat. As I said in the beginning, he is nothing special, just an ordinary, everyday man. So why did I mention him? Where is he now? Well, he was brought back to Christ. What brought him back to faith in Christ that he had wandered from? In 1982, he and his wife found themselves with severe marital problems. They ended up separated for three months, only talking via solicitors. During this time of separation from his wife and children, he started again to attend the local church, praying for a reconciliation and forgiveness towards the, indi- the individuals that had caused his problem. One Friday night, he was alone and he got very angry and uptight. He wanted to cause physical harm to the individual that had started all this. He tried phoning people for help in the church, but nobody was in. Nobody answered their phone. So he did the only thing he could remember. He prayed to God. He was going to pray, God, I want to kill this person. 
but he only got the first word out, God. His prayers were answered by the Lord saying to him, you've told me for the last six, three months you had forgiven this individual. Why then do you want to cause harm to them? He was absolutely left gobsmacked. The next morning his mother-in-law <coughs> phoned to say his wife and children were on their way back. When she returned, his wife heard that he had got religion, but she wanted nothing to do with it. (coughs) However, God had different plans. Within a few weeks, she started feeling that God was calling her. Then she read these words from the Bible. And you find this, if you wanted to turn to it, please feel free. It's in Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go, a- go ahead of him to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountains by himself to pray. Later that night, he was alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the winds and the way, uh, sorry, the way, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Peter, you see kept his eyes on Jesus. But one thing is, the wind and the waves were still there. But he didn't notice them because his eyes were focused purely on Jesus. You may have heard, sorry, this man and this wife, now that they're both Christians, it's wrong to say that they don't have any problems or any struggles. Absolutely nowhere in the scriptures do we find to say that if you become a Christian, you will have a trouble-free life. If you've been told that, then the person it told you hasn't looked at the scriptures. As Christians, you still get the same sort of problems as anybody else, the wind and the waves. You still get tempted by things. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are by no means perfect. But by believing in Jesus, you can bring all your troubles and concerns to him. Jesus gave his life for us, a gift of grace. Like Peter, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Remember what it said in our passage. My sons, do not forget my teaching, but keep your commands in your heart. The person I told you about had forgotten the teachings He received as a youngster. He did not keep God's command. 
But Jesus never forgot the commitment this man made at his baptism to follow Jesus. So Jesus waited for him, never giving up on him until he returned. The story about this man and wife is true. It's not something made up. In fact, if you want to know more of what Jesus means to this man and his wife, come and see me when it's finished and I'll put you in touch. I know you would love to, I know he would love to tell you more about Jesus as would lots of others in this building. Many of us here sitting here know Jesus as their savior. His story is and his story attest and a testimony of how they came to know Jesus. They all have a story of how they stopped leaning on their own how they stopped leaning on their own understanding and looked unto Jesus. Don't believe me? Well, I've asked some of them to come up and tell me about it. So the first person I've asked is Rob. Rob, would you come up and tell me about your storms? Well, sorry, the church about the storms. <laughs> I, I, could tell, I could tell you about many storms. I could tell you about loads and loads of miracles. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is my wife. She won't... She won't, she won't let me go on too long. <laughs> there are so many miracles and so many things. And it's when you, when you gave me this and when you just introduced that and I was looking at that, can you give me one example of wind and wave struggles in your life which you had to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding? And the final thing is what happened and how did it turn out with Christ's help? Now, I'm not going to go over the testimony again that I gave you last week other than to say that, you know, I've got cancer, I'm going in for an operation. Um... It was a complete surprise, and yet the Lord has been with me through every step of it, and he keeps putting in front of me Psalm 91. It's been in open Bibles in chapels. It's been sent by friends in Haiti, in New Zealand. Someone recorded a song to of it and sent it to play over me, and it says, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So I don't know what the outcome is going to be of this particular one, where I am putting my trust in the Lord. Because um, it says, what happened? And how did it turn out with Christ's help? All I know is it's finished. It happened on the cross. And in his resurrection, death's defeated. I know... <laughs> I know I've got my salvation. I know I'm stepping at some point into eternal life. don't know quite when. I'm hoping we've got a few more days and she can keep correcting me every now and again in church when I speak for too long. But so secure in that. And you get secure in that because when you pray to God and when these things happen and you turn and you look back and you start joining the dots, you realise he's been walking with you every single step of the way. And the little story that I was going to tell, and as I said, I could tell you, I could tell you hundreds. And this particular one was, we lived on the Isle of Man. We had a little girl, about the same age as that, our middle girl, daughter Sophie, three and a half years old. Uh, the place I worked, you always worked on a Saturday. Um, it was part of, part of the standard hours of the week. We went up to midday on a Saturday. Joe was out, um, what were you doing? Preparing for Sunday school. Sunday school meeting. Our children, we had two at the time, um, Jacob and Sophie, were staying with Joe's brother in a little Manx cottage which they lived in. They were playing in the morning when they woke up and they were actually hugging each other, weren't they? Um, 
they tripped and they fell down the stairs and they landed on a smack on a flagstone floor at the bottom of the stairs, Jacob on top of Sophie. And she split her skull from there right the way around to there. And we got calls, Joe got calls, I got calls. And we were into the hospital, weren't we? And uh, we were sitting there watching her. They, they took the x-rays, they showed us where it was. She'd got a subdural bleed. They didn't have brain surgery on the Isle of Man because the Isle of Man's only just got water. Um, <laughs> they, so they were talking about flying her over to Liverpool and they're saying you might have to pack a bag, weren't they? And the company I worked for actually had its own plane and I was getting frantic and going, right, I'll phone up, see if we can get the pilot out and we can, we can fly over to Liverpool if we need to. And they said, well, hang on, we need to do MRIs and so on, don't they? Anyway, our church, our lovely church where we both got baptised together, they started praying. Obviously, we were telling people and we started getting messages in the, in, in, in the old-fashioned phones, you know, the Nokia texting things like that. We started getting messages from all around the world. And I had to go... I, I went in with her, didn't I, for the MRI scan. And this little thing... Her eyes were completely dilated when, when they opened and she was just in and out of consciousness. They strapped her into this, uh, this thing to slide her into the MRI. I had to put chainmail stuff on... And, you know, walking down there in Detroit, just all I knew was that people were praying for us. People were praying for us. And I was, I was beside myself about it. But I had this peace as we went in there. We had a cat at home that we inherited from Joe's mother. Grandmother. Grandmother. Joe's grandmother, who was slightly to the right of Genghis Khan. And this cat was called Tori. Um, and... Um, and as they were sliding Sophie into this big canister for the MRI scans, all strapped down with her head, her little eyes opened and she looked at me and she said, Daddy, who's feeding Tori? <laughs> and I knew from that point that she was, she was going to be all right. I knew. Um, so there. That. And I think sometimes you, you're put in a position where you're forced to lean on the Lord's understanding. But as you're forced and you see him coming through for you, then you realise that's the way you're meant to be all the time. And that's how I feel now. So, that's it. Thank you, Lord. Joe, would you like to come up and answer the same question? No, I'm not going to. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, what he t- he's just said about leaning this morning when we were praying, we were just saying to God, please keep this feeling that we've got at the moment, which is being completely dependent. Don't let it go, you know. When we, when we come through this thing, in whatever way... Keep us dependent. That's what we want. Um, Mine is about a time when I was really, really low. I'm not... I don't think I'm somebody that suffers with depression, really, but I got very, very low. And we'd we'd moved over here from the Isle of Man. Um, Robert told me that we'd only got five years on the Isle of Man. I really wanted to stay because all my family were there. and, and, and I loved it and I, I didn't want to leave when we left on the boat my whole family 
came and stood on the pier and waved us off, off that image in my mind. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, we came here, and um, I suppose we'd been coming to the chapel for about six months, maybe eight months. And I was just getting increasingly low and, and feeling quite desperate, really. And um, I didn't really, I suppose, know people well enough to share that, but perhaps. Um, and I can remember one Sunday, vividly, going... It was an old tin hut then. It wasn't yeah. this lovely building. It was, it was um, right, a right old shack. And I can remember leaving early and going and sitting in the car and howling. I can remember howling um, and calling out to God and, and saying, why am I feeling like this? What's going on? How, how do I, you know, how do I navigate it? And um, I'd like to say to you that it was instant, but it really wasn't instant. And what I had to do was just press in and press in and press in to God and who he was and what I knew of him. And I can remember wrestling with the Bible and and, and reading things and again saying to God, but why am I not feeling it? It says it here. Why am I not feeling it? And it took time. But I didn't give up and he didn't give up on me. Um, I can remember going to, to YWAM and somebody was doing a, a session on spiritual gifts, I think. And um, some <laughs> a girl called Deanne. Does anybody remember Deanne? And Alan, hairdresser and chef. Yeah, well, um, it's, it's such so long ago. Anyway, Deanne was a very direct American. And, she, and I, I'm in this session, you were at it, actually. And I was very low and feeling, you know, all sorry for myself. And I think I shared a bit about it for the first time I dared to. And she, she said to me, get out of your tree. <laughs> There is good soil here. Put your roots in it and grow. And I'm quite... <laughs> I always remember she said her gifting wasn't cleaning. Do you remember? She never cleaned the town. No, I'm not gifted in that area. But um, she was right. There was good soil. And I did put my feet in it. And I grew. And I got through it. It wasn't instant by any means. But I did get through it. And... Um, Leaning not on my own understanding was a big part of it. I just had to press in. And I, I said to you on Wednesday night, now, when I start to feel the panic rising, I go to the word and I read it and I trust in that, not in what I'm feeling. So, that's me. <laughs> and our last one, Christy. You bringing your dog? Very different, actually, from the other two. Isn't it so good? Did you not think, well, I could choose that one or that one yeah, or that one yeah. or that one? God is so good in our lives that he has given us multiple opportunities to lean on him and not our own understanding. Um, but we used to take the children to, as we were youth leaders, we took them to a camp called Soul Survivor. And when they were teenagers, and we had a lot of girls, which was a lot of drama. A lot of drama. <laughs> a lot of drama. And there was one year, there was one year actually God did about five things for me in that week, which is the most amazing 
It was the most amazing week I think I've ever had. I can look back on them and go, wow, that was well apart from when I became a Christian. And all anyway, but <clears throat> one particular example of leaning not on my own understanding was there was a girl who had come just all attitude. And she never, we only had two or three rules. They had to come for meals and they had to come to the big t- church tent sessions. And she was not struggling. She was struggling doing those things. And I was getting really cross, saying she's got to do those things. Those were the only things we told them that they had to do. And curfew. And curfew. Yeah, that's true. And they were off because there's a lot of freedom and they were off doing their things. And um, we just kept bumping heads, this girl and I. And I, in my youth, was less patient than I am now, I think. <laughs> I'm much more full of vim and vigour and the righteousness of the Lord. And, uh, and I was really cross. And there was one time she just didn't come to the session. She was, she was coming later and later and then she just didn't come at all. And I was like, right, I'm going to talk to her and I'm going to sort her out. Lord, what do you want me to tell her? And he said that you love her and that I love her. And I'm like, no, I don't want to tell her that. I have other things to say. And he said, no, that is what I want you to tell her. <clears throat> and I was like... Okay, and that was really hard because I had to say it and mean it. So I prayed about that and I was walking with her and I was, look, look, we were walking, I can't remember, to somewhere or another. And I was like, I was going to talk to you about your behaviour and I was asking God and God really just wants me to tell you that he loves you and I want to tell you that I love you too. And I got a... And that was it. All over. <laughs> I was like, okay, fine. Well, I've said my piece. I'm shaking on the inside. And then uh, that evening, she had... Uh, sadly, she's not saved today, but she had a spectacular encounter with God and just screamed and screamed out this pain and anger that she had brought with her that we didn't know about. And um, was in, she was just in a lot of pain and didn't feel that anybody did love her. And when we were talking the next day, I took her out for a coffee. And, um, and she said, I hated you for saying that. She said, but, because I just don't feel it. I didn't feel it. I don't think that's true. But it was what I really needed here. So I lent not on my own understanding, said the thing I didn't want to say, and God spoke to her in that moment. And even though she's not walking with the Lord today, I hope that that is something that she will always remember and that will be a seed that will bring her back. So, yeah, there we go. Thank you for everybody that shared their testimony. And it's always good to hear other people's testimonies. And though I didn't include everybody, everybody in this, in this room that is a Christian, a believer, has a testimony to give. And if you don't believe me, ask them. I'm sure they'd be willing to tell you all about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done in his, their lives. The big question I'm going to leave you with is, will you... Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. If you're unsure what to do or have doubts about Jesus, I implore you, please don't just sit there. Ask someone. There's enough of, enough of, there are enough of us here to ask, so please ask. Um, if you've got questions that 
you think are a bit difficult, then can I recommend this book? It's not an American book on barbecues, even though it says Grilla Christian. So I don't want anybody taking anybody out and barbecuing people. But these are questions that most people ask when they want to come to faith. They're, they're, they're doubts they have in their minds. So I would strongly recommend that. Yeah, they're up there. They're up. Just take one, please. So we're going to close with a hymn now.